Welcome to the Success with God and Psych podcast, where it's all about a purpose-driven life where God and psychology mix together and guide your way. And now, your host who's funny, informative, and a straight shooter, doing this so you have a better life, Dr. Jessica Kersner. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You know what I like to say? There's no better day than today for blessings, impact, and purpose. And today we're going to do parenting questions. So our first parenting is hard segment. Got a lot of questions where people said, hey, I have some questions about parenting. You triggered some things for me. I thought about it. What do you think about this? Can you answer these questions? And so I'm going to take some of those emails, read them, and we're going to answer some questions, guys, right after this. Meet Fred. Fred once felt stuck in a rut, and he had trouble connecting with other people. Then Fred read the book Path to Loving Yourself by Dr. Jessica Kersner. Fred found the book interesting and exciting. The down-to-earth approach that the book takes helped to increase his self-esteem. Now, Fred spends less time feeling bad, and he grew to first love himself. Eventually, he gained the capacity to connect with others. You too can benefit from the path to loving yourself by Dr. Jessica Kersner. Get your copy for only $9.95 from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Books A Million. That's Path to Loving Yourself by Dr. Jessica Kersner. Get up on your signed copy at healingaxcoach.org. All right, guys, and we're back. So our first question is, I have trouble at times when I'm disciplining my son. He will say mean things to me or say that he thinks I don't love him. I struggle with whether the relationship we have is more important or having him behave well. How do I handle this? Which is more important? I forgot to mention he is six. Okay. So six-year-old kid, you talk about disciplining your son. Uh, he says mean things to you. And he says stuff like, I think you don't love me. Um, he probably says he hates you because that's what normal kids say. And then you're struggling with, okay, is the relationship I have with my son more important or having him behave well? Hmm. So let's answer that part first. I would say that both are equally important, that you don't want to get to where you're worried about disciplining your son so much that you forget that the relationship is also important. But then you don't want to get to where you think, okay, I have to be my son's best friend. And then you're not his parent first because we're in charge of making these people like great people, right? Like we want to make sure that we give them what they need to um, become the best people they can be. And so if I'm worried about being my kid's friend and I don't do discipline, then then my kid becomes a bad person because then I'm saying that you can do anything you want to do and there are no consequences. And that's just not how life operates. So I would say you have to find that balance. And that balance says that sometimes you communicate to your son that, you know, son, kids get in trouble. That's what happens. Like in, in life, all kids make mistakes and they get in trouble, but it's not the end all of everything. But as your mom, I'm supposed to, um, give you consequences for things when you don't, when you do it and it's not supposed to happen. And when that not is not happening as much, then you have to feel good side of mom too. But mom loves you, whether you're having bad behavior or good behavior. And you make sure that you have some time with your son that not that just not involve discipline. Because sometimes kids go through a period where it seems like they're always getting in trouble. <clears throat> so you want to make sure that you're spending feel good time with him too. And so even if, 
Okay, let's say he has to get in trouble because he had a bad day at school. You could still go lay down on the bed with him and talk with him later and say, son, let's talk about today and let's talk about what we can do differently, even though he's been, he had the discipline happen. And you say, you know, mom loves you and let's talk about what this would look like or what we hope this would look like. And you just spend that time talk with him and then, you know, say a prayer with him and tuck him into bed. So you still have that relationship time, but you still also have the discipline time. Um, and that to me is how I would handle it. And that is how I do handle it with my kids. And so we still have time we spend together. And sometimes that time when he gets in trouble, if, if my oldest son is on punishment, he's seven, he's around, he's eight now. Sorry. He just turned eight. If he's in trouble, I mean, he has to have the consequence, but I can still spend some time with him that says, Hey, you know what? You're still important to me. You still matter. This punishment is not supposed to feel well, you know, it's not supposed to feel good if it does. And you're not, you don't have the right punishment, but regardless of whether you're on punishment or not, you're still my kid and I still love you. And when he's not in punishment, we have plenty of good times. Um, and when he own punishment is like, okay, it doesn't feel good to you. It doesn't feel good to mom either, but it has to be done, you know? Um, and that's how I would answer that question. Okay. So we're going to take a short break and then I'm going to come back with question number two. All right, guys. And we're back. Our second question is my son is stealing. What do I do to convince him? This is not okay. I have tried different punishments, but nothing seems to work. I'm scared he's going to get arrested one day and ruin his life. How can I make him understand this is serious? Okay, so I have more questions to start it out. And I do want to say that uh, to preface all of this with, you know, parenting is different. Uh, It's really kid specific. So you can parent one kid one way and another kid a different way. And they both live in your house and one will respond to one to one thing and one won't. And it's like behavior modification one on one is that. You know, you really have to find out where your your reinforcers, so the things that your kid likes, the the praise things that work. And you also have to find things that when you take this away, it matters. You know, when I was a kid and my mom took away like uh, the TV, I was like, whatever. You know, I like to read. Or if she took away the phone, I was like, whatever. You know, it's just, you know, it it didn't really bother me. But now if she took away like me going outside or me being able to go places that hurt, you know, like that was an appropriate consequence for me. That was an appropriate um, dis- a form of discipline. And so <clears throat> it really is important that you pick what, what matters. So if, if your son is stealing, so, you know, you have to go a six year old stealing and a 15 year old stealing are two different things and drastically different. So let's say your kid's under eight. So I'm going to answer it two different ways. Your kid's under eight, and we're talking about stealing. You know, I remember when my oldest son, he took a few things one time. And when he took something, I made him have restitution. So he had apologized for it. We gave it back. He apologized for it. But then he also had to give something that was his favorite toy away to someone else. And the reason why is because it doesn't feel good when someone takes your stuff. And so for me, he needed to lose it. He needed to lose something very important. And I picked that toy because I knew what he really liked. I didn't want him to pick the toy because if he picked the toy, I knew he was going to pick something that he was okay with losing. And it's not a sacrifice if you don't feel that it's okay, that, that it hurts when you give it away. And so when, and when he did that, then we did that. And he only stole a couple of times. Um, and I don't think it, his intention at that time was to steal. I think he just thought, okay, I want it. And he just took it. But it's like, okay, so for me, when you do that, well, I'm going to take something that's important to you. Because no matter what it is that he's doing, I wanted him to learn that that was not okay. And we talked about what stealing was not okay. And we also talked about, like, legal consequences for that long, along the line, like, when he gets older. 
if you have a 15 year old and he's stealing. Okay. So that's different because hopefully by now you've tried some things to, um, you said you tried putting different punishments and everything, but you've tried talking to him about these consequences can happen. This is going to happen. So, <clears throat> you know, if you have a friend who's a cop and you have like a way for that person to sit down and talk with him or to try some type of form of scare straight for him to realize that people do go to jail for that. And so you show him what those consequences look like. And if you have someone that they can sit down and talk with him or maybe show him the inside of what prisons look like, a jailhouse or anything like that, that could be a way to reach your kid because sometimes, and we all remember when we didn't think that, that those things would happen to us, but sometimes they don't have a realistic um, view of what that is. And if he's 15, those consequences are very real. And so I'd want him to see like, this is where you can end up. This is what could happen. And I, I mean, I know me when I visited inside of a prison, I was like, I would never want to be in here. And so, um, no one ever says they want to go to prison when they grow up. But if you're doing things that can get you there, then we're saying, okay, this is what you're saying. You're saying, I want to go to prison. And so let's, t let's show you what your future home might look like if you can't get this behavior together. And so that can help him understand that this is serious. And so you could do that. Um, you also have, if he has any, uh, I didn't, I don't see where you say anything about his dad or if he has uncles that have been trying to help. Sometimes boys are not as receptive, um, from women. And that's just because, you know, men can teach them things that we can and men can reach them in different ways that we cannot. And so you could go and talk to, um, like if his dad is around or yeah, you have an uncle or someone that he's very close to that can help you tag team in this and say, you know, maybe they can reach him to talk about this stealing and uh, why it's not good and where the consequences are for that. And as a man, how is that? And how is that perceived? And how do men need to deal with that when, and his motivation for stealing. Um, so it's not a, a easy answer and I'm sorry. It's not a simple answer. Um, so if your kids under eight, let's talk about it and let's, let's talk about real life consequences that could happen, but also let's go for restitution. I think at 15, they should have restitution too. And so, you know, if they're stealing from Walmart and you catch them while you're in Walmart and you give it back to Walmart, you can find out, can your kid do community service at his church? You know, churches are good with that. You have uh, boys and girls club. You have other places where you can say, you know what, you're going to do some community service. You're going to volunteer. You're going to do things to pay this bag because although he didn't get the real consequences for it, these are things that are going to mimic, um, what those real life consequences could be. And so those are some suggestions. I hope that helps. Okay, guys, we're going to take a break and I'll come back with the next question. All right. And we're back. Our next question, what age do you have the talk in quotes and how in parentheses techniques? So what age do you have to talk and what possible techniques do you, do you suggest? And so when we talk about a talk, I guess we're talking about puberty um, and what you believe and what you want your kid to uh, believe and think and everything about, uh, intimacy and birds and bees and where babies come from. Right. <clears throat> so, um, that's, that's hard. If you have a girl or a boy, I guess for me, I would probably say the same. It would be the, it would be the, the same. I don't think it would, it really matters or what would be different. I would say that, uh, the talk, talk, um, at school, I think they're starting now around sixth grade, seventh grade, they're doing uh, sex education and health. And so I definitely will um, either piggyback on sex education at school if they're doing it in sixth grade or seventh grade. Um, if 
your kid comes to you before then and ask about it, then that's an opportunity to talk about it. If they're around 12, um, if they're around that age, then once they bring it up, then you could talk about it. Um, so the age would be to me around the age that they're starting to have more conversation about it in school. Or if they say, mom, dad, you know, so-and-so brought up this at school. What's that about? You know, then it's time to start talking about it. And so what techniques and how, uh, I think you have to come from this on both sides. And when I say both sides, I would say that as a person who believes in, in God and, and that, uh, that waiting until marriage is important, I would stress that to my kid. You know, I would stress that, that, you know, um, this is something that is a beautiful thing between a man and his wife. And and that is really uh, important in marriage. And that's where we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to wait until we get married because that's the person you want to get, have kids with. And that's, and that's the person that you want to share that part of yourself with. Um, but then also on the other side, you want to talk about how I know that there are kids that do it. And I know that some of your friends or some people at school are doing this, this thing and, uh, they're talking about it and, uh, you have a lot of exposure to it. And so what are you hearing? So let's talk about what they're hearing. What are you hearing about it? Like, are you hearing that people are having intimate relations at school or that they're talking about they have, you hear your, some of your friends are saying that they are, if they are saying those things that you want to talk about. Are they interested in it? What are they thinking about it? You know, I want to hear that perspective too, because the reality is a lot of people don't wait until they get married. And so we want to talk about this to find out where does your kid fall in line with this? And, and just to hear some feedback, because if I start off saying, okay, you know, blah, and we don't hear anything and we don't get any feedback, well, then we're kind of left out the loop. And so I want to see what they're hearing. Let's make sure we keep those trying. And I want to refer I want to make sure they know it's important to me that you say that we keep that door open, that you can always come to me and talk about it. Now, after we do that, we want to talk about consequences of it. So real life consequences that if you don't do this with someone that you're married to, how can this happen? And that's just consequences that you have that, um, where, you know, those relationships don't last though, you know, so you want to talk about those things that this, this is something that is very important and, you have all these real life consequences. You have STDs. You have that. It doesn't last. You have that. You could have a baby with someone that's not your wife and you have, um, or you're not your husband. And that's a financial obligation. That's time obligation. And so we want to talk about those things. And when your kid comes to you, talk about it. You can, my mom pulled out, my mom's a nurse practitioner, by the way. And back then she was a nurse. She pulled out a book and showed me all kind of disgusting things that could happen. If that, it was a very, it was a scare technique. It's very effective. Um, but it's still yet. It, it's, it's just one way of saying, okay, well, if you think about it, let's show you what could happen. And that's all it took for me was to go, that could happen. Yeah. That's not worth it. You know, that's not, it's not worth it at all. I don't, and you can't look at someone and tell, and sometimes they don't know. And so it's important just to kind of have a well-rounded conversation with them that gives real life consequences, you know, uh, 
personal consequences for themselves. And then just to say that, you know, but even if it, but if you still choose to, can you come talk to me about it so we can make sure that we can reduce the amount of consequences for you. But I really hope in my, my prayer for you is that you're going to wait till you're married and that you're going to wait to share that, that part of yourself with someone that you trust and that, you know, will value that just as much as you value it. Um, and it can stay a beautiful thing for you, uh, from the beginning to the end. Um, but that does not say that if you make mistakes that it cannot get there anyway. But what I'm saying is let's try to reduce the consequences and, uh, increase the benefits. So I hope that helps. Um, that's a good luck. Good luck with that one. Uh, so we're going to take a break and we'll come back with the next question, guys. Meet Fred. Fred once fell stuck in a rut and he had trouble connecting with other people. Then Fred read the book Path to Loving Yourself by Dr. Jessica Kersner. Fred found the book interesting and exciting. The down-to-earth approach that the book takes helped to increase his self-esteem. Now, Fred spends less time feeling bad and he grew to first love himself. Eventually, he gained the capacity to connect with others. You too can benefit from The Path to Loving Yourself by Dr. Jessica Kersner. Get your copy for only $9.95 from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Books A Million. That's Path to Loving Yourself by Dr. Jessica Kirshner. Get up on your signed copy at HealingActsCoach.org. All right, guys, and we're back. Our next question says, you talked about giving up your freedom when you are a parent, but then finding a balance. I want to have more me time, but I can't afford a babysitter and I don't trust most of my family. How can I get some freedom back? What do you suggest? Man, that's difficult. If you don't have much family um, that you can lean on and you uh, don't have the option to afford a babysitter. Well, uh, so then I would say, are your kids in school or do you have daycare? Um, if you do have an option that your kids are in school or in daycare, you could always plan a day that you have off uh, while they're at school and don't pick them up. Don't pick the kids up from daycare and take that day to make some me time. My husband and I, every other Friday, we do date date Friday all day because I'm off and then every other Friday I'm off on half days. And so we spend that time and we say, you know what? Every Friday we're going to do something. And one Friday we have a really long day of something. And every other Friday we have a half day where we make date time, where we don't have to find a babysitter. We don't have to inconvenience anybody else. We don't have to feel like we're being a burden. It also costs no other financial obligation to have the kids um, be with someone because we already have that plan. They're already in this place. And we don't pick them up early. So we're like, you know, sometimes you feel that guilt complex when you, you have that time and you don't pick them up because of life is always happening, but really to get that me time back in without having to worry about the other pieces, you do what they're already doing and say, can I, can I have the option to at your job? Can you take a day off uh, while they're at school or while, while they're there and say, you know what, let me spend this time doing some me time stuff. Let me go get a massage. Let me go check out a movie. Let me see if, you know, someone wants to go on a date during this time. Um, and that could help. And th- there is a real option there to do it that way. And sometimes that you can just go to someone at your job and, and see if you can restructure your schedule and you have that time off when, when you are using those sitters. I mean, where that natural place for them to go. If you don't have that option, then what I would say is then if you have your kids on a schedule or if you don't, then we want to get them on a schedule and they have 
a set schedule to go to bed. And so when they go to bed, you have time that you could just sit back for yourself and enjoy a show or, you know, do your nails, wash your hair, soak in a tub, you know, take that time and just say one night a week, I'm not going to focus on cleaning the dishes, cleaning the house, cleaning up after them. You get them in the bed and that night, just that one night is just your time. And you take a bath, you like soak in a tub, you do whatever it is that you take care of you. And, you know, if you have to put in, if you, if you like working out, you go to the gym, then put in one of those exercise videos until later as possible. But you take that one night and carve it out for yourself and just say, you know what, if there are dishes, if there's mess around the house, it'll just have to wait till tomorrow because you just don't have enough me time. And that's hard because you think about, oh, it's going to pile up again. But really and truly in the long term, your mental health is better. Your emotions are better. You just are not as stressed. And so if you can carve out that time for yourself, carve it out and just take a little me time and say, you know what? Today, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put them to bed and I'm going to I'm going to drink. Uh, I'm going to fix my favorite coffee drink. I'm going to fix me a tub, uh, a tub full of hot water. I want to take my favorite book in there. I'm going to just do that and pamper me. And so that's what I would say to do. And I would say to do that because otherwise you don't really have an option. You don't have family members that you can lean on. And we would say, use your resources. You don't have, you should have some friends, but if your friends aren't, aren't willing to keep your kids, then that's not going to help. But if you have friends that are willing and you're just not asking, ask them for an hour here and there. You'd be surprised how many of them actually just want to spend time with your kids. And they're actually uh, very, very happy when you ask them to, to do that. And uh, there are options. It's just sometimes you have to get creative to see that. Okay. So our last question for today, and I'm going to answer it in the same one, is how do you deal with a child that is acting out throwing temper tantrums in public? Man. Um, so we all know when our kid throws a tantrum in public, we think, oh man, everyone's staring at me. Everyone's like thinking I'm a horrible parent, not getting everything done. I can't control my kid. I can't X, Y, Z. I say the first thing we do is just don't worry about everybody else. You know, the first thing you need to do is focus on your kid. What is happening with your kid right now? Because sometimes it's that they're tired. You know, we took them out. They've been out all day. They're exhausted. If my kid's exhausted and throwing a temper, a temper tantrum in Walmart because he's exhausted, then there is nothing I'm going to be able to do in that store to help quiet him down. There is nothing at all. Um, I'm just going to have to take him out the store and, and get him some rest, get him to sleep. Um, if I have to stay in that store, then you find a soothing object, hopefully that you have with you, a favorite teddy bear or something that you can, um, assure your kid that, you know, very soon we're going to get it where you can get down and get a nap, you know, and we have to do this right now, but, and I know it's hard, but mommy's got to take five more minutes. And if we could just make it through there, we can make it through this time and, and soothe them. Um, so check in with your kid, like take your time. Cause they often can't tell you it's like, have they eaten? You know, have, are their basic needs met? Because a lot of times they're throwing those tantrums. That's what's going on in the beginning is those basic needs. They're exhausted. They need sleep or they need food. And we're running around because we could do all that stuff and not think about it, but they can't like, they, that's what they need. And so have they gotten all those things next? Let's say, You've done all that. You know, that's not it. My kid just, just is going through the terrible stage right now where if I don't give them what they want, they want to make a spectacle. They lose their mind. And right now they're in their emotions because I won't give them this toy. 
So what do we do? Oh, am I going to say give them the toy? No, we're not going to say give them the toy. What we're going to do is remind them that they're going to have this consequence when it's done. So you might be throwing this tantrum right now, but we're going to have a consequence for this later. So we need to get it together because you can still get together and we not have it. Um, and can your kid hear you at this time? Because sometimes your kid can't hear you because that's their normal pattern. They're normally acting out. And so we want to find some way to ground them in the moment and soothe them to say, you know what? Do you need to do some taps on the legs? Do you need to, you know, sing a song that they like? Do you need to find a way to shift them so that they can hear you? And it all depends on your kid because everything works for a kid. They like it. You know, you feel like I don't want to be humorous right now because you're throwing this tantrum. I get what you're saying there, but we need to shift them so that they can hear what you're going to say. And so if they have a favorite song, if they like humor, if, um, you know, they really like hugs and you're able to hug them, even when they're tantruming and that calms them down, do whatever soothes your kid in that mil- in the middle of that store. And so then at that point, you can say, you know what, this is what's, what's going on with you and get them to start being able to communicate with you verbally and not just acting out. And then we can say, you know what, this is what's going to happen if you don't calm down. This is what's going to happen if this doesn't change. Um, and those rules should already be established. If you do not have those rules established and your kid is throwing his tantrum in, in Walmart, that means your kid's probably throwing tantrums everywhere and it's not just in a public place. And that is a whole nother a whole nother problem because that 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 child just has no no structure embedded at all. And they need structure. Kids like it. It doesn't feel good when we first do it, but they need it. And so they like to know what's going to happen. They like to know what's expected. And so those tantrums happen for everybody. It's really just when you have your kid in a set routine and you have a kid with set, when they understand certain rules, then we're able to shift them later to realize this has consequences for you after they have that meltdown emotionally because they really thought you were going to do something that you couldn't do. And we can soothe them and get, get back to them. So the long answer for that is ground them some type of way with something, you know, that shifts them, whether it's a song they like, whether it's, uh, you know, a, a hug, whether, you know, you want to shift them. And that's the most important thing there is because that could a tantrum, tantrum in public can take 30, 40 minutes just because they're going to have an audience and they're going to start catering to that audience after a while. And the more they see that you need them to stop it, the more they amp it up. And so we want to try to shift really when we're in public and then say, can you reach them verbally at that place? Um, so do what works for your kid to shift them. And we all know what we can do. We just, in, in the moment you start worrying about everybody else that's in the store and that your kid's now doing this in the store again, and you lose the ability to think uh, quickly about what works. And so at that moment, you really just work on calming yourself and focusing on your kid, calming you and focusing on your kid. So you keep you calm because if you get upset, it amps the whole situation up. Um, and then say, okay, check in. So remember, do they have everything they need? Is this truly just a tantrum because they can't get something they want? And if that's the case, then we want to sue. We want to ground. And then we want to then remind them that A plus B, if then statements, if you do this, then this happens. And I really want us to have a really good rest of the day, but we can't if you're throwing tantrums. Um, so anyways, guys, that's it for today. I hope uh, you guys enjoy the segment, answering people's questions. Uh, we will uh, talk again soon. I'm sorry I've been missing. My sister was getting married. So took a little break from the podcast for a few days. But I'll be back again tomorrow with another segment. Um, 
on something different. Uh, but guys, remember, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, please uh, check us out on Helenax Dr. K on Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, the Helenax Coach uh, dot org is the webpage. And I will see you guys later. Thank you.